You're listening to Heart Food Podcast, episode 51 with Kathy Eason. Welcome to Heart Food Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Pardo, nutritional therapy practitioner and private chef. This is a show that tells you the truth about food, nutrition, movement, mental health, mindfulness, and body image, all with a hefty dose of real talk. This show will inspire you, change your mindset, and help you feel more confident and comfortable in your own skin inside and out. To find the show notes for each episode and to sign up for my weekly newsletter, visit ashleypardo.com. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Ashley K. Pardo. Find me on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel at Ashley Pardo. If you have a question to be answered on this podcast, please email it to heartfoodpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. I'm so excited to bring you this conversation with my good friend, Kathy Eason. Kathy was my instructor at the Nutritional Therapy Association when I got my uh, NTP or a Nutritional Therapy Practitioner Certificate, and she made such a big impact on me, not only with the you know, education about nutrition and the knowledge, but really just her as a person, and I really can't wait for you guys to hear her energy and to get her wisdom and her insights. Uh, I've been wanting her to come on for pretty much since day one, and we finally made it happen. But before we get into the interview, I want to remind you that right now on Tuesday, October 2nd, we are in the middle of the Mindful Fat Loss Method. You guys can still sign up for this course. So even though we started yesterday, there's still time. You will still be able to get everything. We have over a hundred women signed up for this course. We're almost at 150. And I would love for you to join us. If you're somebody who has been confused about intuitive eating, feels like they can't reach their goals, feels like without some structure, things have been really difficult for them. I know some people you know, can do intuitive eating and just kind of can eat whatever they want. But for many of us, that does not work. And many of us do need some education surrounding fat loss. And many of the fat loss programs out there, even though they will allow you to lose fat, they don't have the mindset education and sort of like the unconditional body love that we all need to possess, or at least the body acceptance at the beginning and body neutrality. So All of this is combined in the course. We're going to talk about mindset. We're going to talk about the structure that we might need sometimes. And we're also going to talk about some cooking too, of course. So sign up for this course through the link in the show notes. It's right there. It's free. It's five days and I would love to have you. But Kathy and I actually did not talk about nutrition at all in this conversation, which, you know, you can hear nutrition stuff on any pretty much any podcast you can, you know, research your nutrition and stuff. I wanted to talk to Kathy about her own processes, what uh, she does to hone her intuition, how she lives. We really get a glimpse into 
kind of the personal side of Kathy, which is really what I wanted to do. And um, she has so many things going on right now. We're going to put all her information in the show notes. So you can go to her website. You can follow her on Instagram. She also has something called Open Door Healing, which is going to be opening very soon. So be sure to check all of that out in the show notes. She is also going to be at a retreat uh, later this month in October in Austin called Rewild Retreat with the Rewild Women. If you listen to the podcast with Amy Lupton, Amy is uh, leading that retreat and Kathy's going to be a part of it. And so is Danielle Della Valley, who has also been on the podcast. We'll put her episode in the show notes too. So links to Kathy's website, her Open Door Healing, which is a community of healers um, and also the retreat is going to be, all of those links are going to be in the show notes. So please visit and please reach out to Kathy if you are interested in any of those things. We also really talk about being an empath and being somebody who is a healer and sensitive and feels spiritual things. And in order for us to thrive, because we are definitely a certain type of person, in order for us to thrive, we do need to protect ourselves. And I love that we got into that in this conversation, but I'm going to stop talking now. Let's get straight into the episode. And I really hope you guys love this. So thank you so much for coming on the show today, Kathy. Hi, Ashley. Thank you for having me. It's fun to see you and fun to be here. Likewise, I'm so excited to see your face. It's been, I can't believe it's been uh, almost, well, it's been like two and a half years since I graduated from the NTP program uh, where you were my lead instructor. And you just had such a big influence on me, not only in like uh, teaching about nutrition and learning about nutritional therapy and the functional evaluation and all of that stuff, but just having you teach me, I told you, I think from day one that you are somebody who is living their purpose. Like you can just tell you're in the flow and you're enjoying yourself and that you're so passionate about this. And, you know, I'm so attracted to that. And everybody in our class was attracted to that too. We were all like, you know, we love Kathy and, and she's the best. And, um, yeah, I'm just so excited to have you on and I'd love if we could start, this is kind of a big question, but I always start by asking people, what you do now and how you got to where you are. So you can okay, kind of well, take for... it in whatever direction you want to go. <laughs> sure. First of all, thank you. You're making me blush a little bit for saying <laughs> such kind things about me because it really does feel like, you know, I have this great job where I basically get to hang out in a classroom, both virtually and in person with some really amazing people and have this learning experience that is not only me educating the people who are in my classroom, but me learning from them. And I know that, you know, I can remember you being in class and you teaching me things about food and food preparation and also just food style. You know, mm. I watch your stuff and like, okay, yeah, I can really up my food style game and make nutrition sound a little and seem and look a little sexier. So mm -hmm. I want to thank you for that. Oh, my pleasure. So, yeah. So what am I doing now? Is that the big question? Well, um, the big answer, I guess, is kind of everything and trying to take my passions in similar directions, but with a little unique outreach. So I'm still teaching for the Nutritional Therapy Association. And I have a current class in Bend, Oregon of pretty amazing people in their own right. And they're about to graduate. So they're at that phase that you were out uh, long ago, about a month out from their final exams and nervous and going out into the world and 
can I really do this thing? And, and do I have enough? And so I'm giving that message of, yes, you have enough. And what you had now, what you have now is more than you had when you started and that's enough. And then you're going to go on and carry forward more. And then I also have a brand new Austin, Texas based class who just started last week. So they're mm-hmm. at the very beginning, you know, uh, trying to navigate a new learning system. Um, how am I a student again? How do I kind of control this passion that I have and just not shout to the rooftops that I, you know, want to tell everybody how to eat when I'm still trying to figure out, you know, how to eat myself. So um, I'm doing that as an, as an instructor. And when I, when I preface it with where those two classes are, it's because a lot of what I feel like I do as an instructor is really to guide people to how to be human and how to sort of approach this health, nutrition, diet, and connection with others around those topics from the heart rather than just from the mind, you know, from the gut. We make a big deal about the gut and nutritional therapy, and that's true, but the gut has many layers to it, right? There's an emotional layer and a physiological layer, and I want people to kind of um, be able to embrace that. And I'm, I'm really recognizing that, you know, I can guide people through a curriculum and through the hands-on clinical skill set that I teach and all that. But really what I'm teaching people about is a way to sort of embrace the entirety of their humanness, if that makes sense. Totally. And, um, yeah. So I'm, I love that. I'm, <laughs> I'm loving teaching as I always do. You know, I will be honest, you know, sitting on the computer grading homework is not my most favorite thing, but mm-hmm. the connection the connection and the community of the classrooms. And it's fun for me because I actually have a couple of your fellow students coming back as graduate assistants this year. And so, yeah, it's fun to see how the people kind of, you know, circulate and come and go. And um, you never know, you and I might be in a classroom together again. Mm -hmm. And then another fun thing I'm doing is um, I do still see clients. A lot of them I'm working with virtually and, um, but I'm, I'm soon to have um, a more uh, clinical space again, which I haven't had for a little while. And I'm looking forward to it because I've been doing this kind of combination of um, mentoring other practitioners as well as, um, you know, consulting on some case study exercises and things like that, seeing clients virtually. But then I also see clients when I travel. So when I go to Austin, Texas, like I will this week for a conference I'm attending and speaking at, I'm going to see a couple of clients while I'm there. And it gets a little frenetic being kind of spread out in so many ways. So I've been um, taking a lot of yoga mm-hmm. and my yoga studio here in Oregon City, where I live, is expanding into a wellness center. And I'm going to be moving into a clinical space there again. So I have at least oh, a couple days awesome. a week. Okay. Yeah, a couple That's days great. a week. Yeah. yeah. To get my, get my hands on, on local people again. Yeah. And then, um, because I'm a crazy woman and I like to plan all these things at once, mm-hmm. I'm also planning for the NTPs and the NTCs of the world. If there's any listening to our podcast today, I'm planning uh, clinical rounds with Kathy, which uh, will launch in January. And it's going to be sort of a beta class the first time with um, an opportunity for people to sign up for the class. Uh, be about eight to 10 weeks in duration. And we'll go through um, 
individual practitioners bringing kind of complicated nutrition and holistic health case studies forward. I'm going to teach people all the ways that I evaluate somebody's health, not just from a nutritional standpoint, but from some of the other aspects of health I look at. And then as a small group, we'll all get to um, look at each other's complicated cases together and kind of brainstorm an idea, um, you know, ideate around a nutritional therapy and lifestyle approach. And then there'll be a second tier of people who get to witness that. And so we'll run these via webinars where people can sign up and kind of view the process that we've been through and, and watch these clinical presentations by the people who have all gathered, you know, kind of in a virtual round table. So really looking forward to that. It's something I've wanted to do for many years now, and I'm um, excited to get that put out into the nutritional therapy community. Mm-hmm. And then um, the I'm soon, soon, soon to announce a new platform and I'm super, super excited about it. Um, it's got, I don't want to give away too much. Yeah. Let's, let's I, tease the people. Yeah. And, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so you so get excited. The, yeah. What's the tease? Well, um, Kathy is finally letting some creative juices flow and it really hasn't been until I sort of stepped into my humanness. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically on the yoga mat, I, um, as part of a healing journey of my own. I recommitted to yoga really seriously about three years ago. And from, from that, I found some centering and grounding and creativity and stamina too, that I hadn't had in a while. And so as I'm laying on the mat in Shavasana, I've had like all these amazing thoughts and ideas and images and colors and creativity coming to me. And I, you know, run out to my car, race home and sketch all this stuff down and what I will be launching is something I'm going to call open door healing and open door healing is going to be a community-based platform where I provide an open door to anybody who wants to come and talk to me about nutrition, about, um, you know, physical health, emotional health, spiritual health, energetic health, uh, structural health. And I don't claim to be an expert on all those things, but I have lots and lots of great colleagues and friends to affiliate with. And so part of Open Door Healing will be an affiliate program where um, my door is open. Come inside, uh, describe to me what you're looking for, what you're needing, and let me show you another door through somebody I've, you know, who I know and who I trust who can, you know, offer you a resource that I don't have, but yet perhaps together and communally, we can help you find some answers. And the, the big key, I think, behind open door healing and behind everybody's healing is that we have to open our own doors. We have become a culture of people who collect a range of symptoms and suddenly get a diagnosis and then we get really attached to the label of our diagnosis and so we have too many people in my opinion walking around um you know listening to things like this listening to podcasts and reading blogs and that are all very title specific that's either you know i'm an uh an audio autoimmune paleo person and i only want information about that i think it's great i'm a certified autoimmune paleo coach but I don't own that label as much as I own the label of being human. So I want to show people, okay, there's other doors to open. 
Uh, you are not your Hashimoto's diagnosis and you are not your diabetes diagnosis and you are not your osteopenia diagnosis. You're a human with some signs and symptoms that suggest that you lack some vibrancy or some support in areas of health. And instead of um, tunnel vision and um, instead of really being attached to one label, let's open some doors for you and show you some doors to open yourself so you can find some healing tools that expand you out of that limitation and that limiting belief. So that's yeah. my long tease <laughs> yeah. about your healing. Well, you have a lot going on. Uh, it all sounds amazing. And so many you know, things to talk about with everything that you just said. Um, first of all, I love the fact that you, know, you talk about the humanity in people and the fact that I think as humans – we all believe that we're not good enough at some point. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and I think that that's a normal human thing to feel. Um, but with, for me, it's been helpful to, despite having those things, maybe knowing that that voice might never go away, um, but doing things despite the things that our brains tell us sometimes and going right. forward and taking action despite all of those things. And then you gain confidence that way through action. So like I thought that I had to like feel confident first and then do the things that I wanted to do. But it's really by like first taking the action when you're scared and then gaining confidence through that, which seems counterproductive. But I think it's the, really the only way that, that we can, you know, move through our fears through deliberate action, um, which I think is so powerful. Absolutely. And that really does, um, this is part of the imagery that I've been seeing and that I've been um, focusing on and working through is that's part of opening the door. You know, you walk up to that door of fear and there's a scary monster behind it. And that scary monster is, you know, really a mirror to yourself. It's like, what, you know, what am I so afraid of this? So maybe the first time you just crack the door and you crack the door and you peek through and you realize, oh, it still seems kind of scary, so I'm going to close that door again. And maybe you go and you, you know, walk down the hall and you do something else. Well, you come back to that door and you look at it again and go, well, you know, maybe I can crack it just a little bit farther this time and see if I can see more. And I think the more times you employ that habit mm, exactly. of stepping through your here, your fear, that's really what it is. It's a yeah. habit. The more times you can do that, the easier it is to firmly open that door all the way and embrace the fear on the other side. And don't you find that once you get there, you're like, wait a minute, that wasn't so bad. I did it. A hundred percent of the time. It never, (laughs) never, (laughs) literally everything I do, I always get that. Like every new thing that I do, I always get that feeling. I'm like, what are you doing? Imposter syndrome. Uh, And I've kind of accepted at this point, and maybe you can talk about this too, that like, you know, I've been an entrepreneur now for six years. And I have felt that since day one. And now it just keeps going into different iterations. You know what I mean? Now I have an online business. Now I have all these different things doing in-person workshops and things like that. And with everything that we do, it's always scary. But I've come to almost expect it now. I'm like, oh, here's the the feeling. But I I know what I have to do now. Uh, So I've learned to stay present with that feeling and really develop... um, you know, a stronger voice behind it that guides me. That's so great. Yeah. You know, congratulations for coming to that. It's, it is a process, you know, it's that combination of 
being present Mm -hmm. and letting go at the same time. And the only way we can truly be present is to let go of what was, what may be, and just focus on what is. And um, so I think that's key. Yes. It's fantastic that you've found a stronger voice on the other side of that. That's yes. um, encouraging because then more of us can do that. Absolutely. You and I are talking about it right now. Yes. You know, you help me go out and have a stronger voice uh, in the same way. I even, you know, uh, on the outside, people might look at me and go, wow, you know, she's got all this going on and she must really know what she's doing and what she wants. <laughs> no, not yeah. Well, know, that was going to be my next question to you. Like, what do you go through? <laughs> Because you're somebody who constantly takes action. You're always moving. You're always doing new things, teaching new things, meeting new people. So what's your process like as you start these new things? Kind of like your mindset and your mentality as you move into new things. And especially this really awesome, uh, you know, thing that sounds incredibly innovative and something that I could totally picture you doing. You know, to me, it seems like your natural next step. Well, thank you. Um, And I think you've just hit the nail on the head of how, what is my process for Kathy? It usually involves being hit over the head about 17 times <laughs> by the people who know her the best, mm-hmm. you know, with the softest hammer possible to say, girl, will you get out there and do this? Cause you're talking about it and you're talking about it, but make it happen. So I really owe the credit, um, for what drives me forward to the other people that I admire and I respect and that I share, and lean on. And we all need that. You know, I have taught literally hundreds of students over the last um, 13 years now in my instructional career. And I also face the same sort of fear of missing out and fear of not doing enough Mm -hmm. that, you know, I see all these students just like yourself, like, oh my gosh, Ashley's got this beautiful website and she does this beautiful Instagram thing. And why aren't I doing that? What's my problem? And then I recognize that, you know, and it's okay. It's okay that I don't have to be like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, um, but when it's time for me to get going, I usually am that person who needs to be pushed a little bit. And mm-hmm. that tends to be the way I like to be challenged. So I have to credit my friends for that. And sometimes the tough love that only comes from the people who knows you the best. Yep. Um, so my process is to finally get hit on the head with the mallet by about the 17th time and go, yeah, yeah okay, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to do that now. Yeah. And is it because I um, lack confidence? Not exactly. It's more about um, I've been putting a lot of other people in front of me mm-hmm. first And that's kind of my nature. And it's, you know, sort of why an affiliate program is really important to me, too, because I don't want to just lift myself and shine my own light. I want to shine everybody's lights. And Mm. I think the community and the um, the division and the, the exposure can be greater for everybody by working together. But sometimes in order to do that, you also have to shine your own light first. And so that's that's my challenge. And yes. I think when I, when I have a hard time shining my own light, it's usually when I'm not doing enough um, self-care. And I yes. mean everything from, you know, my diet's pretty great. I don't really worry about that. And, um, you know, and my diet's not perfect either. So I yeah. also don't beat myself up about those less than perfect moments. Well, you but believe in I the vitamin by- P. I do. Yeah, you know, <laughs> which we could talk about later in the conversation. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So I, um, yeah, I rely on, you know, sort of taking care of myself in other ways, you know, spiritually, energetically, physically, emotionally, sleep, um, doing, being in nature. I rely on those things to help me remember that I'm the most important thing in my life. And, um, without that focus, I won't be able to help anybody else that matters to me. So when I get, when I stray from that self-care, I lose my momentum and my motivation. When I take better care of myself, then that's when my process and my creativity and my work, um, comes to its highest point. Totally. And some of the few things that you said that I thought were, um, you know, prevalent to also what you said at the beginning, which is such a great point is that, you know, when we talk about health and we talk about nutrition and disease and all of these things, that's only one component. Uh, we really do need other people. We need a spiritual connection, in my opinion, you know, some a purpose that guides us. Uh, we need to be out, you know, something that can recharge us and um, give us that energy to, to feel good. So for me, I spent a lot of time when I was obsessed, I went through a period where I I was like obsessed with diet and just being, you know, very orthorexic about everything. And that would cut me off from a lot of social connections. And, you know, I don't want to go out because who knows what they're going to have there. And if there's gluten in it, I'm going to feel terrible and all of those different things. But as you say, and you always told us, by having that stress, the stress that we give ourselves might create the same effect that the food would. Yes. You know, so that's why I think that it's important to have that really holistic life. Uh, And, you know, where you have all of these different facets, where you are, you know, I used to think it was really selfish to put myself at the center of my life. And I'm like, man, God, I have to do all of these things to like feel good. (laughs) I have to, you know, spend so much time and, you know, set boundaries with people. Um, Is that something that you deal with as well? Like, I know that you touched a little bit on them now, but what are some of the specific things that you need to do? Um, Some maybe some specific practices that you always fall back on. And do you find that you have to set boundaries with people in order to uh, kind of do what you need to do? And is it hard for you to set those boundaries? Yeah, I can share what's worked and what hasn't. And yes, about the boundaries as well, too. So what I've learned over many years of being in this sort of healing industry and in this educational industry is just what I said before, you know, I really do have to, um, to put my best self forward to serve others. And really that's what a healer is. That's what an educator is. It's you're serving others. And that's how I'm trying to live, you know, sort of a higher spiritual purpose is to serve others. And, you know, recognizing that that's the greatest gift I receive is to give to others. So, you, but there does come a time where you have to recognize without a focus on myself, I can't give the best of myself to others. And why would I want to give the less, less than the best of myself to somebody else that I'm trying to help? They deserve all of me. And if I can't give all of me in a moment, that's because I'm not spending enough moments with myself. So um, I think the biggest thing I've learned over many years of being an entrepreneur, of being a healthcare provider, being a healer is to, it's, 
it's not all or nothing. You know, it's mm-hmm. not about I have to get a massage every week, even though I am a licensed massage therapist and I would love to receive a massage every week. But mm-hmm. realistically, I don't make time for it. So not to beat myself up when that doesn't happen, to, but to make it as regularly scheduled a thing as I can. And my exercise program, like right now, I'm very deeply involved in my yoga practice. But admittedly, some days my yoga practice is simply five minutes on the mat with a couple stretches or poses and some light meditation. And if that's all I can make time for, or that's all my body or my mind really wants to physically sit with for the day, that's enough. And and not to beat myself up for the fact that I didn't make it to the 90-minute hot yoga class that I intended on. Mm. Um, I really find it necessary to get myself into nature every single day. Some days that simply means stepping onto the grass in my bare feet, getting a little of that earthing element and grounding myself and getting my face in the sun when I can up here in the Pacific Northwest. You know, it's a beautiful day here, um, but it's not always that way. So some days it's standing in the rain for a few seconds. Some days it might be the luxury of a longer hike in the woods. Some days it might simply be I'm driving a different way home so I can pull over by a a river, a lake, a stream, and simply stand by the water for two minutes. You know, something that gets me in nature every day. And I find that by just acknowledging nature, it reminds me of how small I am in the grand scheme of things that gets you really present in the moment really quickly to feel small. It's a very um, humbling component. And it's just that enough time to give you a little check in like, okay, small self, you know, how you doing? (laughs) Right? Yep. You know, Yeah. So little things like that. Um, I like to start every day with um, waking up and before grabbing my phone or checking my email or, you know, having anything to do with an external world, I like to check in with myself. So for me, that's a ritual. So it's waking, it's doing um, a small prayer, a small meditation before I even get out of bed. And it can take moments, um, if not longer. And then I get up and just drink some pure, clean water and have a little time just to myself before I engage with anything or anybody else. Usually, admittedly, a cat is there with me. <laughs> and he's, you know, it's hard to ignore yeah. um, the, the furry ones yeah. or, the, or the small children kind. But, you know, whatever <laughs> you can to make that sacred moment for you. Um, and what, what are some of my other little, um, tips? You know, I like to, um, I kind of mentioned the grounding element and being in nature. So as I sit at my computer every day, this is a tip I've shared over many, many years. I have a wooden bowl of smooth river rocks underneath my feet. So as I sit on the computer every day, I take my shoes off and I put my feet on these, you know, elemental rich rocks and to help me be grounded to something of the earth, even though I'm sitting in front of a screen with a computer and a Wi-Fi router and all that, I try to do something to mitigate those, not just the EMF effect, but just the fact that I'm sort of plugged in rather than tuned into the ground. So I really like to, um, you know, do things like that. I do try to make a, a habit of seeking 
you know, stress-reducing self-care. So if it's not yoga, I love acupuncture, and mm-hmm. I will try to stay regular with that. I really enjoy getting to a little local spa, and not for a big, expensive, fancy treatment, but just someplace I can steam or sauna, uh, do some cold water plunges, things like that. That can really kind of wake up your vibrancy and make you kind of feel back in your body again, too. Mm-hmm. And those are such great tips and something that uh, I really love that you touched upon. And a theme that I see in all of those practices is that most of them are free and simple. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's this whole big narrative around self-care right now. Like here, all of these new products that you need to buy in order to, you know, or going to get manicure every single week or going to, uh, you know, some people might not have the resources to, to, you know, get a weekly massage or things like that. But going out into nature, you know, for me, it's like the way I talk to myself in my head, you know, all of those little aspects are things that are accessible to us. And like you said, we don't need to have this grand expectation of, like I said, all of these products or supplements or things like that. It could really just be five minutes um, of movement or talking to yourself or saying a prayer or meditation. And it's really like not, I don't think it has to do with the length necessarily or what it is. I think it's the fact that you decided to show up for yourself that day. Absolutely. That's a beautiful way to state it is Mm -hmm. showing up for yourself. And you're right. It doesn't have to be expensive and it doesn't have to be a mani-pedi and it doesn't, you know, have to be that kind of self-care. It needs to be what I think is important is it becomes a ritual. Yes. It becomes something that feels sacred for you. Um, you know, we had a full moon last night and I, um, we had kind of a long day, but I still gave myself a small full moon ritual. So mm. I sat out a meditation pad. I lit a candle in a, you know, and I didn't use a big lighter to light the candle. I lit an actual match, you know, just oh, something nice. that felt very, you know, you know, everybody knows the sound of lighting yes. a match. Uh, that's just exactly that. what I pictured right there. Yeah. And, and the you smell. know what that is? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's the neuroplasticity, you know, the the brain development, those neuroplastic pathways reminding you that how many times in your life you've heard that strike of the match, you smell the flint and the um, smoke and you see the flame and all of that creates this sort of pattern in you. And, you know, I, you know, I, I did some other things for myself last night and I wrote a small affirmation for myself around the full moon and what it meant to me. And it was just for me and it didn't cost me a thing other than to, you know, take 15 minutes and acknowledge that. So, yeah, that's beautiful. Um, and I think that that's important for people to know that it you really don't, it doesn't have to be these grand things, although those are nice. I love getting my nails done, uh, (laughs) you know, but, and I love getting a massage too, um, who doesn't, but, um, you know, in the daily practices of showing up and having those rituals, that's where the magic is. I think. Right. And I love how yeah. you, the, all the things that you said really, um, you know, went along with that central thing, that central theme. You know what you, you asked me about boundaries. Yes. Too. I was going to ask and, you that next. Yeah. Boundaries are definitely something I have struggled with for much of my life. And, um, you know, just to kind of follow the, um, the, trend here of all the stuff I've been talking about. I am not an astrologer, but, um, I do enjoy, you know, learning a little bit when I can. And if you look at my birth chart, 
everything in my chart is all about going out and being highly social mm-hmm. and sort of shining a light around the world for others, you know, to see. And there's, you know, sadly, like nothing in my money house, you know, so I've never been a, a money driven purpose purpose person. I have been a social purpose person. Mm. But with that comes a lot of responsibility or what I've placed on myself as an expectation of responsibility to always be available for all these other people and to have few boundaries around that. And I also am, you know, a highly social person. And so there's a part of me that recognizes that my ego and my personality really thrives on that social connection. And it can be really difficult to place boundaries. And I have had some issues with boundaries in the past where I just simply overcommit myself. And if you ask anybody who knows me, I'm probably still rather overcommitted. But I have learned to place boundaries around, you know, the things that are super important to me. We all have responsibilities and obligations. And we want to try to place appropriate boundaries around those aspects of our life so that those things don't feel like a burden. They don't feel, you know, an obligation shouldn't feel like a burden. It should feel like an opportunity. Mm -hmm. But when we place too high of an expectation on it, that's when our boundaries can get murky and we can, you know, sort of overgive of ourselves even at a time when we're supposed to have, you know, a little less responsibility. So I, I try to place some boundaries, you know, things like, you know, if I'm going to commit to, um, you know, a yoga practice, then that means that I can't do some social activities through the week because, you know, I'm really committed to making this connection with other people in the same yoga class on Tuesdays at 6:30, kind of thing. And that mm-hmm. becomes my commitment rather than saying yes to, you know, meeting up with somebody for a birthday party. It's not that I don't want to join that birthday party. It's just I'll honor that person's birthday in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I think especially, you know, I don't like to really classify things by gender, but I, th- I do think that women chase, you know, a lot different level of boundary setting issues than men because we wear so many hats in the world. We're mothers and daughters and sisters and entrepreneurs and homemakers and you know, cooks and cleaners mm-hmm. and wo- wound care specialists and all that, yeah. <laughs> everything, right? So I think women do owe it to themselves to sort of prioritize those areas of their life, and but also remembering prioritizing self. And the very first boundaries you should set, whether it's with friends, family, social obligations, work commitments, is, you know, um, is there a way I can do this and still serve me so that I can bring my highest self to the task or the role at hand. Yes, I love that. And it it is hard to set boundaries because then you have to worry about like disappointing people potentially, especially like with the birthday party thing, you know, but I've really, it's really helped me to think about, you know, every time I say no to something that perhaps doesn't work for me at that moment, I'm saying yes to myself. And, and that really, thinking of it in that way you know, I'm like, it's not really a no. It's just, you know, like you said, I'll honor it in a different way. But I'm saying yes to myself. And that really feels good in my body. You know, because you know how yeah. it feels when you do things that don't feel good. It's like, ugh, like, you don't want to be there. And then it's like, you give a bad energy and stuff. Um, right. So, so yeah. Uh, but I think that that's important for everyone to know for the listeners that are listening, who 
are practitioners and healers, people that give themselves that are empaths and things like that. Uh, it's important to protect yourself. Uh, and like you said, do what you need to do to bring your highest self forward. Because if not, we're, you know, we're a depleted version of ourselves and that's not fun for anybody. Right. You know? Right. And yeah. And I think I probably mentioned this to your class a few years ago, but, uh, you know, for all the practitioners and providers out there, it really starts, this kind of boundary setting can start with your own schedule, you know, and scheduling, you know, blocking out specific times in your work week or your, you know, your provider week, that that's when you are available and uh, directing the people who are going to see you to those times only and not saying yes to the times that are outside of your stated schedule. So I, this is a huge mistake I started, uh, I made when I first started out in the healing world was, you know, I just wanted to help everybody. So, you know, I might have hours on Tuesdays and Thursdays that ended at five, but there was that one person who always thought they just couldn't get there any other time, but six 30 on Tuesday night. And so then I'd be working until eight. And I did that too many times until I finally recognized what you said. I wasn't, I was a little resentful. I -hmm. felt obligated to that person. I felt like I had overextended myself and was, you know, maybe having some resentment about it. And it's like, well, that's silly because I allowed that. So, yes, totally. um, you know, setting that boundary so that you don't put yourself in a position where you might be resentful when really you just want to help this person. And and then recognizing that another boundary is with yourself to say you can't serve everybody. So if somebody can't fit into your stated schedule, your time, your needs, then they're just not the right fit for you to accept to acknowledge, to let it go and to move on. And then, you know, I think the way we can do that is when we say, when we do have to say no, thank you Mm -hmm. to somebody, you know, and that's a different way of saying no, right? Yes. yes. We can say, we can say thank you, but no, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we can be, we can be authentic as to our why we can say, I really would love to serve you on Tuesday at six 30, but I set that time aside for my own, healing practices or my own appointment. And I need to honor that for myself. I know you understand. Yes. And I think if we just put it out there and say what we need, rather than people needling us to change our mind, they'll go, wow, she really means that for herself. Okay. That's the boundary. And I, I think again, back to women have a harder time, I think just expressing that. So I think if we can just come not that we have to explain every decision in our life, but we just have to be authentic. And instead, instead of making an excuse of why we're saying no, mm-hmm. we make a statement of why we're saying no, thank you. Yeah. And, and that is that and should be okay. Yeah, And it's attractive too. when someone says that to me, I'm like, Oh, wow, like, they're really honoring themselves. Like, right. And that feels uh, it's inspiring to me, you know, when when someone does that. And, and I think too, um, sometimes we need to go through what doesn't work for us in order to find out what does, you know what I mean? So you figure out what the times in your schedule that work for you might not be the same for me. That's fine. Uh, but everybody has their own things that work for them. And, uh, you know, by enforcing those things, we really do develop strength and confidence within ourselves to really, you know, be able to honor ourselves and then be a better person and a better healer and and practitioner and things like that. 
Um, Absolutely. Something that I find so amazing in you is you're such a purpose-driven person. Like you, when you are teaching, you're just like in the flow. I'm like, man, this woman was born to do whatever, what she's doing right now. Um, and you talked a little bit at the beginning about creativity and I call them downloads, just feeling those things on the mat, like you said. Um, so talk a little bit about that. Talk about, you know, your journey in following your passion and how it's kind of morphed. And then I'd love to get into like the spiritual aspect of that, because I think in order to feel those messages, we need to be tapped into something, something greater. Yeah, I will tell you that my journey to all this isn't as, um, purpose-driven for myself or Mm -hmm. as glamorous as it might seem you know I um, I'm that person who when I went to college the first time I was following the intended path that everybody else thought was great for me and I was bored to tears I was (laughs) (laughs) I was in a a, you know business-based academic program and you know, you should study accounting and you should, you know, get your master's in business administration. And you know what, quite frankly, I was just really, really bored with it. I could do well in it and, but it didn't excite me and it didn't entice me. I was just doing it because I thought that's what I should do because that's what I was being um, driven to. So what did I do? I quit school and I found a job and I worked outside of, um, you know, academics for about five years until I went back to school the second time. And that's when I allowed, you know, a little bit older and I allowed myself to kind of follow passions. And I, you know, started studying the human body. And with that, um, you know, it was that feeling of being stuck in somebody else's life that kind of fueled my Mm -hmm. creativity to move forward. And, um, but I will admit to, I've, been a little bit of a, I would just call it a lucky person. You know, I, um, have had enough belief and faith in myself that I would find the next job that I would find the next opportunity. But I also now in looking back at my life, I also recognize that what I was, the signals I was sending out, even if I didn't know I was doing it at the time, it was attracting what I needed, you know? So it was that whole law of attraction, and it really led me to some amazing opportunities. So I can't really say that I got to my purpose-driven life with entirely a lot of purpose, which is kind of funny to yes. think about it, you know? But, it, but you now, followed your passion, though, or you've, you figured out, like, at the beginning, this doesn't work for me, this typical, you know, standard American life of, like, you know, get a job in accounting, be a doctor, lawyer, whatever. You're like, this doesn't yeah. feel good. Let me, you know, try something else. So it sounds like you were just kind of following your intuition as you went yes. along, you know? Yeah. And that is key. Following my intuition has been the thing that has allowed me the most flexibility, but also the greatest opportunities. And just really back to trusting your gut. Yes. And, um, you know, as you, as we define the gut in all these different realms, you know, the, the gut could be our nutritional therapy-based gut, you know, mm-hmm. the, where we say we have a second brain in our intestines and all the neurotransmitters that come from that. So of course there's that piece of it, but trusting your gut is also trusting that deep internal connection to your own spirit that says, 
yes, this is my path. I'm walking this way. And I believe that we have multiple directions we can take on that path. And sometimes it's okay to take a circuitous route uh, because the lessons we learn on maybe that, quote, wrong path or that left turn that we took, um, they show us things that get us back to, you know, more of our true path. And then um, now I do spend some time, you know, like I said, I think as I've done more self-care, in the last several years, I've recognized that that's when my uh, ideas, that's when my intuition, that's when my understanding of what I should try next, that's when it comes to me. And so the more tuned in I am to myself and nature and spirit and maker and really great food and, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and, um, quality friends and community that's the more I'm tapped into that the easier it is to find my purpose and to align with people with a similar purpose or at least a complementary purpose yes that's you know that's so important to to be able to surround yourself with all of those different things in order to feel tapped in when you talk about trusting your gut so many people say that they don't know what that feels like and they can't tell how would you guide somebody who maybe is having difficulty trusting what they feel inside and, and following that intuition? Yeah. Um, how would I guide them? I would, you know, well, from a, from a sort of food and spirit standpoint, I'd be asking that, that person, you know, what is it you're eating now? When do you feel the most grounded, the most connected? When does your brain feel the least stressed and when do your thoughts feel the most calm? And I try to get a sense of what's going on in their diet that's either promoting that or getting away from that and make some adjustments there. You know, a lot of people who don't feel very grounded to the earth really aren't getting enough quality protein in their diet. Mm -hmm. People who, people who struggle with, um, they're not moving their bodies enough and therefore they're also maybe not as creative or allowing as much of their creative outlet they tend to need a little bit more fat and um, fluid oils in their diet, things like that. People who are struggling with um, digestive issues but also struggling with um, sort of that recognition of what does my gut feel, they might need some support dietarily with digestion and foods that promote digestion. So it might be different kinds of fibers in their diet. It might be different kinds of antioxidants and phytonutrients people who are struggling to love themselves we find uh typically basically don't have enough leafy green vegetables in their diet and i know that sounds really simplistic Mm -hmm. but sort of getting to that you know um the color of love being this this green that's accepting and warm and a lot of varied hues and stuff so i look at it like that and ask people about dietary measures like that But I also, I like to do some techniques like a laddering technique. So I ask people, like, let's say I asked you, you know, what's the next project you want to work on? And so we'd write down, you know, um, Ashley's cookbook or whatever it might be. And then we'd say, okay, what's your fear around not starting your cookbook? And we just have you write a word and then the next word that that reminds you of and the next word and the next word. So you're kind of laddering, doing this laddering exercise to kind of really expose just what's free form coming from your head about what are my fears around this and why can't I start my cookbook and 
And then you look at that list of laddered topics and go, okay, how, how can I address these in my life? And how can I sort of check these off? And, and sometimes just the, the idea of mentally checking off these things that you think are obstacles is a way of removing the obstacle. And then all of a sudden you realize, well, that's really silly for me to be afraid of those yeah. things. I'm just going to go ahead and start my cookbook. Yeah. And then I, because I'm also um, a body worker, I really like people to get in touch with their physical selves and, um, and also to be touched. So whether it's receiving some kind of energetic work like Reiki, or if it's getting massage therapy or acupuncture or something that has a more physical component, I like people to experience that to try to find an on a more consistent basis as they can afford or as they can get in their life to find that feeling of centering that often comes with sessions like that. And then a, a final step is I actually do some spoken guided meditations that I will record for each person. And I'll ask them to sit or lie and listen to these. They're usually short. They're about five minutes long. And they'll listen to me um, guiding through them through a, a visualization, a guided meditation. And then I ask them to journal or document where the physical manifestation, where did they feel in their body? What did they feel and where did they feel it when they feel most secure, most grounded? For a lot of people, it's going to be something um, literally in the gut or in kind of the sacral area. They're going to feel like a, a calm and a how would I say this, a heaviness, but not an over heaviness, but just an anchor, if you mm, will. Mm-hmm. And they feel like every cell in their body, every ounce of their being kind of landed on this anchor point. And when we get to that, and then if, if we get the meditation right, and maybe they tell me, oh, but then I freaked out about this one thing you said, well, maybe I'll re-record it and I'll, I'll change it for them. And I, tr- I like to do these personalized meditations. I think Um, guided meditations are great but I think when they have a personal tone to them that can be um, super super helpful yes absolutely and it's so important too to be able to tap into the body and that's why diet is so important because if you're not perhaps eating in a way that will allow you to be present in your body that can be a huge impediment Um, yeah in order to feeling all of those things and trusting your gut and following that in, uh, my intuition. When I drink a lot of alcohol or have a lot of sugar, I'm like tapped out. You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't, right. I'm like, I don't feel it anymore. Um, but getting back to the way that I normally eat uh, really, uh, you know, plugs me back in uh, to uh, that higher self of mine. And kind of yeah. speaking about the spiritual aspect Um, I know you're a spiritual person that you believe in, you know, the power of the spirit and things like that. And here on the show, we talk about like the greater thing that's out there, whatever it is for that person. And I'm the same way. I love being in nature. I can't even look at the picture at a picture of like the galaxies and stuff because I'm like, oh, my God, it's (laughs) too big. Like I'm (laughs) that I'm really tiny. Everything that's out there, like seeing the whole solar system and things like that. um, I'm super fascinated by it. But how would you describe your connection to your spirit? Because I think that has a lot to do with your intuition as well. Um, And has that changed throughout your life? Is it something that you fall back on and that perhaps you would um, attribute to your path in life? Yeah, um, 
it's definitely my spiritual process has definitely been and continues to be just that a process. Mm. I don't believe that it's something that you get right. Yeah. At least, um, you know, yeah, totally. not, not in, not in our time on this planet. You know, I was raised in a very loving Christian family and I was raised as a churchgoer and I'm really appreciative for the teachings and the lessons I received, um, in the church and from the church community. And I also feel really fortunate that that community that I was raised in is very accepting and open and, um, you know, not overly dogmatic. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the struggles that people see when they struggle with their own spirituality is they try to fit themselves into a box of rules that maybe don't, you know, necessarily all resonate with them. So as I've grown and as I've, you know, literally laid hands on people for 25, almost 30 years now, I think a lot of my spiritual nature and my spiritual growth has come from um, metaphorically laying hands on people, understanding the struggles of others, mm-hmm. uh, acknowledging others for their strengths, their weaknesses, um, and really recognizing even the people who I might look at and think, um, you know, I hate to use words, I hate to use negative words, but let's say I, you know, somebody offends me or troubles me or makes me super mad or, you know, I never detest anybody. I simply, uh, have learned to recognize their humanness, like we talked about at the beginning, and um, apply, you know, the the teachings of like the ancient Hawaiian tradition of Ho'oponopono, which mm. is ultimate forgiveness and acceptance of others that starts with me saying, thank you, I'm sorry, I love you, please forgive me. And, you know, um, Ho'oponopono as a spiritual practice has gotten sort of um, adulterated into modern times. Um, I have the luxury of having had some time in the Hawaiian community. You know, I am definitely not a Hawaiian girl, but I'm (laughs) sort of Hawaiian at heart is the way I talk about it. But I love the teachings of the ancients there and this accepting personal responsibility for the flaws that we see in others and recognizing that anytime I see a flaw in somebody else, I'm probably looking at that own flaw in myself and I should have forgiveness of them just as much as I would want forgiveness of myself. So my spiritual nature has grown through the recognition that this human struggle in this uh, planetary lifetime, you know, this time (laughs) on, on, on the ground, on the earth, so to speak, Mm -hmm. um, is finite and it's just a small piece of who our spirit's really going to be. I don't claim to have all the answers, but I recognize that when I um, start with forgiveness and love, it's always the answer to achieving a little bit higher spiritual authenticity myself, where um, I then have started with love, which um, makes it a lot easier to not hate or resent or um, have judgment. And I don't even believe that our maker 
Um, and however that looks to anybody has any judgment on us. I, you know, I believe it's, um, all the teachings are guiding us to just accepting that we are accepting that the other is and that together, um, you know, we're here and we're spirits colliding and connecting. And, um, if we, if we uh, focus on the love part, then there's going to be less of the colliding and more of the connecting. <laughs> yes. Well, wow. What a beautiful way to put it. And I almost got emotional there thinking about, you know, cause I used to think like, you know, things would be so easy if I just like lived and lived by myself and like, didn't have to deal with other people. Um, and things like that, because it's hard to, it's hard to accept the personal responsibility that the reason that we are triggered sometimes is because whatever we're triggered by has to do with us. That's, yeah, yeah that's very hard to see, but it's also a beautiful opportunity for growth uh, and self-awareness. It, it is. And it is, it is probably the most difficult thing we can do yes. is to, yeah, accept the responsibility for somebody else. And that it is a mirror reflection of us. Yes. Yeah. It's so hard, but, but always worth it afterwards. It always feels yeah. good after. <laughs> um, yeah. but, um, you know, I kind of have that same view of, uh, you know, being connected to people and, and loving them. And we, a few episodes ago, I had Jessica Flanagan on the podcast. Uh, she mm -hmm. wrote the loving diet and she's right. all about loving. And, uh, she talked about Ho'oponopono and, um, you know, that's what I believe too, that like, whatever you think is out there, uh, it all just comes back to us, you know, uh, being there for each other and loving each other and being able to forgive because the opposite doesn't feel good either, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Really does not. Um, well, we've been talking for an hour and I can't believe that the hour <laughs> has passed by. We've had such a good conversation. Um, I always end the podcast by asking a few quick fire questions for people. Um, the first one is, you know, I'm a voracious reader. I love to read all, you know, sorts of books. And I'm wondering if you've read a book recently that's had a big impact on you or throughout your life, uh, a book that has perhaps, um, you know, been impactful on your life. Oh, boy. You know, I've got so many um, things on my nightstand right now. And what would be some of my favorites? Um, you know, from a um, sort of a fun, lighthearted, but serious motivational aspect. I love the Firestarter Sessions by Danielle oh, yes. Laporte. Yes. Huh? Amazing. I love her work. Yeah. Um, from, um, boy, if I could walk around right now, the one I'm getting the most joy out of right now is Journey into the Heart. Daily Meditations on the Path to Freeing Your Soul by Melanie Beatty. Mm. And, um, you know, it's one of those meditation guides where you can open it up to any day and, um, and you don't have to read it start to finish. You open it up and it guides you to what you should meditate on that day. And oh, I, I don't use that. it every day, mm -hmm. but when I, w inevitably when I have put it down for several days and then I pick it up again, it is exactly the message I needed to focus on. Of course. Uh, for that day. I yeah. love that. Yeah. And then, um, I'm also reading, um, 
oh, I don't know if I'm going to get the title right, Sacred Intuition by Marie Monacheri. She was spoke at the NTA conference last year. And mm-hmm. um, it's sort of about tapping back into your own innate wisdom, your own intuition, and a reminder that we all have it. We just need to recognize it to achieve it. Yeah. And sometimes it's a, you know, it's a skill that we can all learn. Uh, And that's why I encourage everybody to be able to tap into themselves because how there's nothing greater than being able to be your own guide in your own life. You know, I think in society, we're so used to just going external, like ask the expert or ask your therapist or ask your parents or ask the teacher. But going back to us and learning how to do that, is just such an invaluable skill uh, that we all possess. Um, so I think that's awesome. I'll definitely put all of those in the show notes. Um, one question that I love asking, just because I'm curious, is if you were on death row, what would be your last meal? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Okay, if I were on death row, and what would I want my last meal to be? It would probably be fish tacos Mm, like a big plate of sprouted corn tortillas and even though i don't eat corn right now i'm i'm on my deathbed right i'm gonna yeah exactly (laughs) yeah and some kind of grilled not breaded fish and a really great um pico de gallo maybe with some mango in it and lots of cilantro and red onion and the perfect little um you know maybe chipotle or habanero um crema on it that would be my perfect yeah simple fish tacos amazing simple. yeah yeah mm-hmm. no one said fish tacos so far uh <laughs> okay good <laughs> but i love um you can't go wrong some of the some of my favorite meals have just been like in san diego having that exact taco the crema the pico the grilled yeah. fish uh yeah fresh tortillas there's nothing better um yeah Another... We have good fish tacos out here in Oregon. Yeah, really I know. Happy. I know. I'm so excited. I've been to Porcano Taquerito. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, good. That's yeah. really Excellent. good. Excellent. Yeah, that um, is really good. And the last question that I ask is, what is the lesson that has been the hardest for you to learn throughout your life? Oh. Wow, that's a big one. It is. And it's, you know, it doesn't have to be, it could either be a lesson or perhaps the greatest advice that you've been given, um, you know, just a parting word of wisdom that you would have for people. And like I said, it doesn't have to be elaborate. It could be simple. Um, but perhaps like the guiding force for you that guides you in your life. Okay. Um, yeah, I think the most difficult lesson I've learned is, you know, sort of the old, um, if you really love something, you have to let it go. Oh, God, yes. I, I really think, I don't know that that necessarily motivates my life, mm-hmm. but it's been the toughest lesson to learn to be able to let people or animals or ideas or um, regrets you know, I have about my life to recognize that the only way to truly love something is to set it free. And I know it sounds trite and cliche and all Jonathan Livingston Siegel, <laughs> but, um, you know, it really, that is the hardest lesson, but also the thing that is the most valuable. And it, it tends to make the time you have with the people that you have had to let go 
all the more precious when you recognize that um, this person, this animal, this idea is here for a season and maybe not a lifetime. And there's value in it and being able to um, say goodbye to that and not have regrets and not have, um, you know, an unpleasant memory of it linger, you know, that's the toughest and the best lesson ever. Yes. Uh, the, the lesson of impermanence. The lesson of impermanence. Exactly. You know, that yeah. is so uh, hard because we always expect things to be, I even think now I'm like, oh, I'm going to live forever. You know, like I, or I think <laughs> my parents are going to live forever. Um, right. You know, and that's, right. it's very, it's so hard. Uh, but that's, you know, the nature of, of our humanity. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it really is. And absolutely. Um, and now we're ending the same way that we started talking about humanness. Um, but <laughs> I had such a great time talking to you today. I got, you know, I knew these things about you, but um, it was such a treat to be able to, you know, get inside your head and to see kind of the way that you work and the practices that you have. Um, so thank you again for coming on. I'm so grateful. Um, let the listeners know how they can find you. We'll be sure to put... Um, all of the things that you talked about at the beginning in the show notes and okay. uh, we'll promote your uh, new program when it comes out as well. Okay. Yeah. Great. Okay. So yes, thank you, Ashley. It's been my absolute pleasure, pleasure to talk to you and to see you today. I know the listeners can't see us talking to each other, I but know, it's way more video. fun. We're on video. And yeah. We've both admitted to having less than a perfect hair day. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, so the best way people can reach me right now is through kathyeason.com, mm -hmm. and it's uh, a little bit of a landing page only right now, but stay tuned because that's all getting rebranded and reworked as Open Door Healing gets started. You know, you'll be able to find Open Door Healing through kathyeason.com. You can find a phone number there for me. You can find an email address there for me. Uh, sign up for my future subscription base, which is, I'm, I promise not to sell email addresses and things like that. It's oh. just, if you want, if you want to stay connected and you know, my door is going to be open and that's going to be the way we start this. Perfect. We'll definitely reach out to Kathy. Uh, if you're interested in the open door healing, um, or in any of her programs that she has going on. And if you want to get into the NTA, I highly recommend it as a nutrition certification and try to get Kathy as your teacher if you can. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thanks for coming on, Kathy. Yeah, thanks. It's so great to see you. I so appreciate your um, inviting me and the chance to just um, be human with you. Oh, my pleasure. There's nothing better, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Heart Food Podcast. To find the show notes for this episode, visit ashleypardo.com. Follow Ashley on social media at Ashley K. Pardo. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your family and friends. And give us some love by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes.